We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing? It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and uh, it's a little earlier than I'm used to, but uh, here we go. little early show. Uh, Brian Roberts, he's used to the uh, the 1 o'clock time slot. How are you today out in New Jersey? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I know this is uh, a first time. I mean, I've been on, I've guessed on this show before, man, but this is our first time in the collabs section, I guess, so it's fun, That's man. what I was thinking. I was like, Brian asked me yesterday, and I was like, I don't think we've actually done a full show together before. Like I you said, so. you've been on the show a couple times and, and that kind of thing. So we'll, uh, we'll have a good time. We're going to talk uh, some, uh, some NFL draft specifically kind of look back at, at where Notre Dame's guys went and what we think of where they went, you know, in the draft specific, you know, in the order. And then with the teams that they're matched up with now and some of the undrafted free agents and, and that kind of stuff, um, a thin, a thin draft class, once again for Notre Dame, and we'll talk about that as well. But the reason we're switching things up today, you get to do the old uh, double dose show. You're, you'll be here with me this afternoon, and then at six o'clock tonight, you and Brian doing a little uh, Kennedy Erlocker commitment preview. He's committing, I think, right at six o'clock or right around six o'clock tonight. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, he is. For for people that don't follow the recruiting backgrounds too much or the recruiting space, he is the 2024 safety out of Chandler, Arizona. He's the son, obviously, of Brian Erlacher, who is a Hall of Fame linebacker for the Chicago Bears. He is dropping a graphic, I believe, at 6 o'clock Eastern time. So we'll all know the, the, the final decision there. He's choosing between Notre Dame, TCU, Kansas State, Illinois, Miami, and there was one more that is escaping me at the moment, but that is kind of the, the the final six is basically what he's picking. But Penn State was the other one outside of Notre yeah. Dame, so yeah. that's the that's the final six that he's going to be picking from. We feel really good about where Notre Dame stands, obviously going into the final decision here, and then me and Brian will break it down if he does opt for the Irish tonight. And I was, I, I remember seeing his graphic over the weekend. I think that he tweeted, and I was. I was, I guess it was like, which of these things don't belong? I was, I was surprised to see Kansas state in the mix with all those other schools, but they obviously did a good job recruiting him to at least get that far. We'll see exactly where he ends up tonight, but Brian and Ryan will have that show at six o'clock. That's why I'm here again for this uh, one. I kind of like this show, you know, that's like this time slot. Actually, I was like, Wow, you know, kind of throw a few things together and and uh, go on right at yeah. one o'clock, and then have other things to do later in the day. You'll have another show to do. I did that a couple of weeks ago. I did the double dip with Brian. I think that was after the last practice, you know, the open practice that we got to see in the spring. Yeah, but oh man, it's fun to double dip. We did that on Thursday night for the first round of the draft. Me and Brian did the. I guess it was the two o'clock show. We kept it the two o'clock. Actually, no, it was a one o'clock show. And then we were live, Sean, from uh, seven thirty to twelve thirty at night. So that was a good man, time, man. That was a good time. I mean, yeah. that's more than a double dip, right there. Is what <laughs> that is. But uh, kept on going. We'll smash that like button if you would. We do appreciate it, and it helps us out 
quite a bit. And of course, Bryant, uh, Bryce Young, I see now I'm going to have a hard time with that. I know because, you know, the son of Bryant, obviously, but Bryce Young committed over the weekend. So it's been, uh, I guess it was a nice sort of end to the week after all the other drama with the transfer portal and all that stuff that we've had the last yeah. couple of weeks. Well, well, unfortunately, I had a wedding on Saturday night, so I wasn't able to be on the live show for the Bryce Young commitment. But luckily, on tomorrow, the second of this month, his teammate, Bryce Young's teammate at, at Charlotte Christian, Micah Gilbert, will also be announcing a decision, and Notre Dame is in the mix for that one as well. So there might be a live show tomorrow to make up for lost time Ooh. for not being at the Bryce Young commitment. So. All right. Uh, do we know what time that commitment might that, be? Do we know that, that is at? I believe that one is also at 4 o'clock Eastern tomorrow. Okay. All right. So we'll see what happens tomorrow then. Well... The uh, the order of business today is the NFL draft. Again, we're you know kind of recapping what happened. Two hundred and fifty nine players drafted this weekend, and I've just I don't know where you are on the movie Draft Day, Ryan, but Vince and I talked about it a little bit last week, and I'm I, I not as not as hot on it I think as a lot of people. I found it very unrealistic, but you know with the the draft you know the 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 trades that were made and all that kind of stuff was sunny you know wheeling and dealing and so oh, I'm gonna give up the picks and now I'm gonna stick it number one and I'm gonna take the linebacker that probably doesn't deserve to be a first round pick but I'm gonna take number one overall. But- oh man, that's it's it man, that's it. Uh, what was his name? Um, something Mac, uh, Vontae Mac, Vontae Mac. No matter Mac. what, man. Yeah, that's, that's right. It. Vontae Mack, well, no matter well, what. Shaw, we saw a little bit of that, though, man. It wasn't quite to that degree, but we saw the Arizona Cardinals trade back from 3 to 12 and then trade back up to 6 to take their offensive tackle, Paris Johnson, out of Ohio State. So the Willing and Dillon's exactly. not quite as – it's not as quite as extreme as draft day, but it, it, there was a little bit of action for us, though, man. It was a little bit. And, and that's kind of, you know, maybe even more so – you know, like you said, the Cardinals traded back up. Houston – you know, made their trade and then they decide to trade up. And just with the fact, you know what, like I have no problem with, with Houston going up there and getting Will Anderson Jr. at number two. But, you know, just like with Sonny, they had to mortgage quite a bit of their future to move up. And, I, you know, I yes. guess the only the only thing that like I look at when, uh, you know, with, with them making that deal is is like, man, do you really think with a rookie quarterback and Will Anderson Jr. as good as he is, like, are you going to be that good that soon that you're willing to you know because like you need to fill your roster like that you're willing to mortgage because they gave up what was it a first round pick last year i think they gave up you know what like a second rounder and a third round you know like so they gave up a lot of draft capital to you know to to move up there and the lions you know the way they kind of traded around as well was a little bit sunny like i thought (laughs) man, man this this first round in this draft this year was was a little bit of chaos man like i even put it like this sean like we had three trades of teams going into the top 10 you know we had obviously talked about the houston texans coming up to three for will anderson you talk about the cardinals trading back in to number six for paris johnson jr and then the eagles traded from 10 to nine to make sure that they got jalen carter out of georgia three trades in the top 10 None I of know. them involving quarterbacks, though. And that's a, that's a rarity amongst itself, right? Usually movement in the top 10 is for quarterbacks. So just to kind of look at that, it was a very strange draft. I think number 10 overall really kind of flipped everything on its head. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I, I think that we're, we're in an era of free agency now where we can see turnarounds a lot quicker than what we used to. You know, like there used to be minimal yeah. roster turnover back in the day, right? Nowadays, it's like, a roster from one year to the next could look so different so quickly. And the Houston Texans aren't exactly in the greatest division of all time. I mean, the, the Jaguars were the division winner last year. They're a good young team, but they're not fantastic, right? So I think you look at that and say, you know, the quick turnarounds can happen. But again, that was a lot to give up, though, for a defensive end. Although a great one, in my opinion, you're right. You are mortgaging a lot. So you better hope that those two guys hit, man, or else you've cost yourself a little bit of draft capital over the next couple of years. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, and like the thing, you know, again, with the Lions, like they trade down from 6 to 12, and they end up getting Jameer Gibbs yep. with that number 12 pick. And according to the draft points chart, I saw this, they gave up 1,785 points to make that trade. They got back 1,783. Now, I know they made a couple other moves and, you know, they got some of the points back or whatever, but still it was, it was a little bit of a wash. And my thing was like, I felt like it was a huge reach to get Jameer Gibbs at number 12 when you could have just stayed where you were and just taken Bijan Robinson and yeah. you know and, and gone that route instead but that's true that's true it, it the, the lions were the weirdest draft and the, cuz they had two picks in the top 20 they had 12 and they had 18 they took a running back with 12 Jameer Gibbs who's a good football player but like to your point 12 for a team that already had two viable running backs on the roster like that's a little you know like i don't know if that's a, a spot a position that i would necessarily allocate that high of a pick and then number 18 you took a linebacker, which I played linebacker. I love linebackers, but Jack Campbell is a very, he's a true Mike linebacker at the next level. You know, like he's going to play right. tackle to tackle. He's not going to give you a ton as far as pass game production. So you took two positions in the top 20 that you could say are two of the most devalued positions currently in the NFL nowadays, with how it's, how it's played, you know, like running back and linebacker on defense. Those are the two spots where you say, I maybe don't have to invest high draft capital in, and I've been okay recently. I mean, you look at some of the top linebackers in the NFL, top running backs in the NFL, it's a lot of second round and later draft picks. So, I mean, it's it was a very interesting philosophy that they put out, but we'll see how it works out, man. I mean, they got yeah. two good football players, so we'll see. Zone six says Bears win in the division, and I mean, I think probably the two most wide open divisions are the NFC North and the AFC South. I mean, AFC South could theoretically have – what three rookie quarterbacks starting yeah. <laughs> at yeah. the start of the Good. season, you know, Good. Will Levis and obviously Aaron Rodgers is gone now. That's going to be a really, you know, the NFC North is going to be really interesting. Let me, let me ask you before we talk about the Notre Dame guys, the whole Will sure. Levis thing, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, again, like I said last week that I stopped paying attention to all the, the mocks, especially, you know, like the big mocks about a week or so, before the draft starts, because everything is just smoke screens, misdirections. You know, they're they're putting out misinformation because they want to draft their guy in the spot they want. All this, like, you do draft evaluation. Did, did yeah. you ever consider Will Levis, you know, like a high first-round type guy? He ends up going in the second round, obviously, to Tennessee. I, I didn't. We, we talked about this last week before the draft. I had a third-round grade on Will Levis. I wasn't very wow. high on him at all. I, I think that for me, though – 
you do find a lot of quarterbacks that get pushed up the board a ton, right? Like, cause I'm evaluating in a vacuum, a vacuum, right? So, but that doesn't mm-hmm. involve positional value, right? Like if I have a second round grade on a quarterback, most likely they're probably going to go in the first round. I- I'll say this though, about the Will Levis conversation. I think it ended up being the right decision by the NFL, not drafting him in the first round. Cause I just never saw first round caliber quarterback as far as what he was. Yeah, I, I concur. But I will say this, Sean, like I did a bunch of post game shows. I was on with Brian and, like one of the first thing that people ask you after the first round is, or just after the draft in general is what surprised you the most during this draft or during the first round? Like what was your biggest surprise? And usually they're waiting for you to say a pick that happens, right? Like, Oh, that pick happens. Like well, that, that surprised me a little bit. Like Darnell right to 10 to Chicago, for instance, like that would have been one for me where it's like, that was a little bit of an odd one. I probably would have taken Peter Skaronsky or Broderick Jones, but you know, obviously they thought saw it differently. The biggest shock to me was that Will Levis didn't go in the first round. I had, I mean, everyone I talked to sounded like the league was very high on Will Levis. And for whatever reason, fell to the second round. I think it's good for Will, though, because it, it honestly it tempers expectations a little bit. And he lands with Tennessee, where I, I look at that and I say, you know, in Tennessee, Tennessee with that heavy run game and, the, uh, and Mike Vrabel coaching the way he does, I think that's actually a pretty decent situation for Will Levis to hopefully develop. So yeah. expectations are a little lower, decent spot for him overall. I mean, Tannehill has obviously thrived in, you know, in terms of his career since he's been there. So I guess you can say if he could do it, then Will Levis should be able to. That's it, that's as it man. Well. That's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's talk about some of these Notre Dame guys. And yep. uh, David was asking earlier, how many picks did Notre Dame end up having in the draft? So were they – didn't make top 10. Yeah, they had three guys drafted. Michael Mayer, yes. Isaiah Foskey, Jarrett Patterson. That was it. Um, it. So if you want, you know, I guess we can kind of start with that. Just the fact three guys end up being drafted from Notre Dame. And it was a it was a thin draft class last year for the Fighting yeah. Irish as well. So I guess kind of what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, because to your point, the 2022 NFL draft, there were only three players drafted as well. So mm-hmm. I, for me on this conversation, it, it always – there's there's always some context to it. And I, I think you look at this team this last year, and I remember in the summer, Sean, like me and Brian were on this show just kind of pumping out like the the core of this team that we're so excited about were the sophomores and freshmen from this past year that are now going to be the juniors, sophomores, and another great freshman class coming in. It was a very young football team for Notre Dame last year. I mean, you talk about who are the best players on the team. You would say guys like Joe Waltz. You would say guys like Benjamin Morrison. Talking about a sophomore and a true freshman. Cam Hart went back to school, right? Defensive line-wise, Isaiah Foskey leaves. He was the 40th overall selection, so he was a top 40 pick. Michael Mayer leaves on the offensive side of the football. He's a number 35 overall selection. So your two best players potentially last year were still drafted top 40, right? Let's like, that's it's still pretty good. I, again, like Michael Mayer should have been a first round pick. I'm sure we'll talk about that during this podcast a ton, but you still yes. had two guys that went pretty early. But I think the context of like a smaller class is that, you know, we're, we're, we don't have Benjamin Morrison wasn't draft eligible this year. Aldrich Estime wasn't draft eligible this year. Joe Walt wasn't draft eligible this year. Blake Fisher wasn't draft eligible this year. Tobias Merriweather wasn't draft eligible this year. Like there's a yeah. lot of young talent on this Notre Dame team. So if this keeps happening though, like 2024 NFL draft or into the 2025, 2025 cycle, and there's still like three guys drafted each cycle for Notre Dame, that's an issue. Cause that's either telling you there's not enough talent there or they're not being developed properly. It's one of the two or a combination of both. So I think as long as it doesn't last long-term, I think that it'll be fine, right? It was just that this class, I mean, my question would be to everyone, who of the 2023 class did you think was going to get drafted otherwise? I mean, I came on this show beforehand, and I was like, I'm not sure Brandon Joseph gets drafted. Said that. Jason Amalola was a borderline draftable player. Ends up signing a high, you know, undrafted free agent deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just wasn't a lot of guys in this year's class, man. So it's not like there's a bunch of guys that just fell through the cracks and didn't get drafted and whatever it might be. You know, it was just that it was a small draft class. And if it's a small draft class for multiple years after that, I think that's when the alarm starts sounding a little bit. But I'm not overly concerned about it just because we kind of knew it was going to be a smaller class with guys like Cam Hart going back to school. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a great point because 
it goes back to what we've talked about on our shows with with the transfers and stuff like that. Like guys are transferring out because they're lower on the depth chart, and in some cases, they're having a hard time even competing with these younger guys on the roster yeah. who you know have more stars coming in and and all that kind of stuff. And and over the course of time, now you might not necessarily you know be be Georgia in a year and have all these defensive players drafted in the first round. Everyone wishes they were that fortunate, but at the same time, I think that it's going to, cause it wasn't that long ago. They had like six, seven, eight guys, you know, it was, yeah. they, they set a record, I think what, maybe three or four years ago with how many something guys like they that. Had yeah. 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 And so. I mean, and to your point, Sean, I know Brian, well, I was talking to Brian on the phone earlier and he had talked about the previous two years before Georgia won a national championship they'd only put out six guys into the NFL as well in those two drafts. And that's the same what Notre Dame just did. Right. Yeah. And then you went and then Georgia wins a championship and it's like, Oh, now 15 guys get drafted. Well, that that's, that's, that matches, right. It's like really good football team. Also some draft type because of championship caliber team, those things usually fall, follow suit. So again, Notre Dame is acquiring talents. Notre Dame needs to develop the talent more properly, consistently moving forward, and they'll be fine in that regard. It's just about winning football games and developing the talent they have because Notre Dame has a lot of talent, obviously. Yeah, so Michael Mayer, as we all expected, the highest of uh, the uh, the three Irish guys to get drafted. He goes number 35 overall to the Raiders early in the second round. He's the third tight end pick, though. Dalton Kincaid. Goes number yeah. 25 overall to Buffalo. And he also went one pick behind Sam Laporta out of Detroit. <laughs> and like there was like, you know, the whole Buffalo traded one pick in front of Dallas. And I was worried that the Giants might end up taking Michael Mayer. They were uh, sitting there one pick ahead. And then that, I think that pick traded a couple of different times. Buffalo trades there. And I was just talking about the smoke screens. And, you know, it's like, that was the smoke coming out of Dallas earlier this week. Not necessarily all on Michael Mayer, but tight end. And it's almost like, you know, they forced Buffalo to trade up and they grab Kincaid. But then I'm sitting there watching the draft and I'm like, yes, yes, he's there. And then it kind of turns out it doesn't even sound like, you know, Dallas was really talking that much about Mayer. But before we get into that part of the conversation, the fact that Mayer not only ends up slipping out of the first round, because because like starting with Mozzie Smith, to Dallas at 26, you had some other defensive linemen who went late in the first yeah. round, you know? And so Mayer slips out of the first round and becomes the third tight end to be picked as well. Like how, how in your mind did both of those things end up happening? It, it was the weirdest. It was one of the weirdest things. And kind of, I mean, we talked about it a ton, the mayor thing for one, Sean, everybody that I had talked to, scouts just media members as well kind of that have a a opinion that is plugged in to the side of the nfl i heard back pretty unanimously that michael Mayer was considered the top tight end in the draft for most teams like that's just kind of where it is but this is a, i think this is a great telling tale of it only takes one team to change that right and yep. it only took one team it only actually only took two teams when we're really looking at it right i mean at the end of the day there were a lot of people that liked dalton kincaid a ton so was I shocked that Dalton Kincaid went before before Michael Mayer? No, I wasn't shocked. I was I surprised a little bit. Yes, I was surprised, but I wasn't shocked. The shocking thing to me was that one Michael Mayer slid out of the first round because I just didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, you were looking at the tail end of that first round, especially. I mean, you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills were obviously a team. The Detroit Lions at eighteen were a team that needed a tight end as well. Like there were teams that needed legitimate help at the tight end position that just chose to pass for whatever reason, even on their first round option. So him falling out of the first did shock me a little bit. And But I think that the other shocking thing was if Darnell Washington, and Darnell Washington had some, uh, apparently had some medical issue. So that was kind of why he fell to the third round. But if Darnell Washington, for instance, would have went off the board to Detroit with that, as that second tight end, I would have understood it a little bit more. Because I look at Darnell Washington and I say, that guy is completely different than Michael Mayer, like completely different football player. And sometimes when guys are so different, it's just a team that has a preference to one type of player. Like I get right. that, right? Sam Laporta thing, I just, I, I can't make sense of. I can't. For me, he's an inline guy. He can play detached a little bit. He ran four, five, nine at the combine. So like, he's a good athlete, right? But like, he's not a Dalton Kincaid where Dalton can play 
in the slot. Dalton could play in boundary at times. Like Sam Laporte is going to play attached or closer to the line of scrimmage a ton. He's so much more surprised. Dan Campbell. Like he's he's that mold, you know. Like I don't know if if that has anything to do with, but he's definitely like you know in the Dan Campbell mold. I would say. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's because Kincaid's a guy that you're just not going to use in line the block a ton. Like it's just not his game. But Sam Laporta, you are a little bit. He's a smaller package, but he is going to play in line a ton. So when you kind of compare those two together, I'm just like, man, I just don't understand what the sell is over Michael Bayer. Like he can run faster in a straight line, but you look at the production and you're just like, man, like Michael Mayer is just better than this kid. Like, I mean, it just flat out is, right? But at the end of the day, I think the Raiders got one of the biggest steals in the draft. I mean, to get to get Michael Mayer as the third tight end off the board at pick 35, I think he's going to go into that room. That is a, not a great room, by the way. There's not a ton of talent in that room right now. They need, yeah. I think Hayden Waller is the number gone. one tight end. Yeah. yeah. They, they, yeah, they traded Darren Waller to the New York Giants this offseason. So, like, they don't have a true number one tight end. I think Michael Mayer is going to go in there, man. He's going to be a dog from day one. So, it gave the hats off to the Raiders. They got a tremendous value at 35. It's a shame that it happened. It's a shame that the fall happened for Michael Mayer, but he's going to be in a position where Jimmy Garoppolo has had a lot of success with tight ends, obviously, in the past with, with his time in San Francisco with George Kittle. So I think that he's going to do really well pretty early on in his career. And we're going to look back on this a few years ago and be like, man, that was that was a little bit of an overthink right there. Like That was probably not the best thought in the world. I think so too. And, you know, and again, as a Cowboys fan, I'm sitting there the whole first round and I'm sweating. And then like when Roger Goodell starts saying Mozzie Smith, you know, the M comes out is, mm, and then he's, it's, it, you know, it switches to my, and I'm like, no, no, that's not the right sound. That is, <laughs> it's, it's Mike, it's Michael. It's not ma. What, what are you talking about? And then of course, uh, you know, it was like slow motion. And then what was what was the other pick? The Cincinnati Bengals. I can't remember who oh, they. Oh, that took. was the most shocking one because he. His name started with an M as well. Um, they, so so they yeah Miles Murphy was the Miles one that they Murphy. drafted yeah. out of Clemson. Sean, that was one where I was like, "There's no way they're gonna let Michael Mayer, who grew up 20 minutes from Cincinnati, by the way, in Kentucky. Like, there's no chance that he gets past Cincinnati, and he got past Cincinnati. I know, I know. It's just. I think you're right. I think there was some overthinking. I, I think there were some other people just reading some of the draft grades who weren't completely sold on Michael Mayer's athleticism. You know, that's, you know, like the athleticism and maybe some speed or knocks. But like, you know, again, like the Cowboys used almost every minute of their allotted time for that pick. And so in the meantime, ESPN is showing, you know, the the mayor to Witten comparisons. And of course it's building my hope up even more. And they're like, Mike, you know, Jason Witten could do this. And it's like, this is the closest guy to Jason Witten since Jason Witten. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then that was, that was my comp uh, too, Sean. That was my comp all cycles. I compare him to, to, to Jason Witten. He reminds me so much of him, but I, I, I know, know, man, they were, they really set you up for failure as a Cowboys fan, man. They, they really did. did. I'll say this though. My wife's a big Eagles fan. So she's happy that he's not in Dallas, but well, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, again, you being the draft guy, like when you look at at who Dallas has to play and the, you know, the yeah. fact that you're taking a nose guard in the first round, that is, it, you know, it's late in the first round for one, but, it, you know, a nose guard that a lot of people consider just a two down nose guard as well. Yeah. But when you've got to play that run heavy Eagles team, I mean, you've got to be better against the run. So like, I get it. Can it. you yeah. can you talk me off the ledge and, and and tell me that they made a good choice by going this direction instead of you know Michael Mayer or whoever you know from from a practical approach try to get bigger inside I guess makes sense right like it does yeah. I I think that there Michael just... Parsons was happy about it so like oh yeah man uh, having a space hating three hundred twenty plus pounder in front of you that can move a little bit like yeah yeah he's gonna be really excited about that and I mean I'll say this. We, we don't like Michigan on this podcast, obviously, right? But, but they're well-coached, man. They're well-coached. They are. So he, I think Mozzie's going to come in, and he's going to be exactly what Dallas wants. He's going to be a stalwart on in running downs and obviously running situations. You have, I mean, because he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list, so he apparently tests as a great athlete. So you have to see if you That's get true. more out of – you have to see if you get more pass rush production out of him. But, again, to your point, it's understanding that – you are playing against a Philadelphia Eagles team that just made it to the Super Bowl and have one of the dynamic running games in the NFL. So trying to 
you have to win a division before you make a Super Bowl run, right? You got to win yeah. your division before doing that. And I guess that's kind of the thought process that went into it. Yeah. As as, as Jaywick13, I just put it up there. At least he's got a cool name. He does have a cool name. And, you know, like Mozzie's you said, a cool he, name. Yeah, cool Mozzie's, name. Mozzie's a very different name. And it's like he's excited. Well, but then, but then what also gets me is, you know, so Dallas sees – Kincaid, well, you know, they weren't going to get Kincaid because they weren't going to trade up. And then they don't take Mayer. Laporta is a guy who I think that they were actually in love with. And obviously the Lions ended up taking him early in the second round, like we talked about. So they end up, yeah. they go Michigan again at number 58 and get the tight end, Luke Schoonmaker, who quite honestly, like I had given, you know, no thought to going into this yeah. draft. And like I saw Dane Brugler had him as his seventh tight end in this draft, you know? So like, I, I don't know what you think about Schoonmaker, but that's, that's who they end up with, he, you know, as the consolation prize at 58. Schoonmaker. He, so he was one of two players that had senior bowl invites that the East West shrine game stole from them. Basically one was Zay flowers out of Boston college. The other was Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan. The NFL has been high on Schoonmaker. I wasn't surprised that he went that early necessarily from just kind of the perception of the NFL. I was more surprised about a couple guys that were still on the board. Like, I mean, I personally would have taken Darnell Washington or Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. Like, those kind of would have been the tight ends that I went with. Yeah. But Schoonmaker, I will say this. Schoonmaker had his best season this year. Eric All got injured, obviously. They're the starting tight end for Michigan, and he had his best season. And aside from, aside from Darnell Washington, Luke Schoonmaker is the best blocking tight end in his drafts by – a landslide like he controls the line of scrimmage he displaces gaps and he had some production this past year so i think it's kind of a product projection a little bit but i mean he's a big kid he's got strong he's got some athleticism to him it, it is a projection but he at least he has a legitimate profile that can get you excited on the nfl if he's if he's developed properly so i think he'll end up being a good player for for dallas it's just i probably would have taken a different tight end in that spot but i still think he's a good football player yeah wasn't the happiest seeing two Michigan guys end up there. Oh, but, man, I didn't even think about that at first, Sean. I didn't even think yeah. about that, man. <laughs> That's what Vince Vince made sure to text me that. Another Michigan guy. I'm like, yeah, just shut up. You're, you're, you're like, like the uh, Philadelphia Eagles are going for all Georgia guys, man. Now you're all, <laughs> you're right. all Michigan. Like yeah. Georgia, Georgia I could handle. I mean, there's <laughs> the Eagles. These Eagles are going to continue to be hard to handle for a yes. while. That's, that's going to be a tough – Tough matchup, but uh, you can ask both Vince and Jesse. My text after the Mozzie Smith <laughs> draft pick, I was not a happy person. And I was I was I was sour most of the weekend after that. So. I understand, man. It's all it's all right. My uh, I'm a Rams fan and they drafted Stetson Bennett in the fourth round. So yeah. not everybody was happy this weekend. Not everyone was happy this weekend. <laughs> hey, you got another Georgia quarterback. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For for that long track record of being really good outside yeah. of Matt Stafford, so exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Stafford number one, and then Stetson, what maybe number three? I guess sure, sure. What about Isaiah Foskey? I, I think that you know, like if there's a bright spot in this whole thing, like as disappointed as maybe we were that Mayor fell into the second round, the fact that Isaiah Foskey not only went in the second round, he goes forty overall, so he goes yeah. high in the second round. Not a whole lot of people were thinking that. I don't think going in. Were you surprised that all that he went that high? A, a little bit, a little bit. I, I, I think I said on a preview show that I thought he was going to go somewhere in like the late second, so like somewhere fifty to sixty-four ish, like somewhere in that ballpark. So he went a, a little bit higher than I thought. I thought he was going to be a second-round pick, but he went obviously higher in the second. I love the fit right there, Sean. Like that was one of my favorite fits for Notre Dame guys in this class, including Andre at the free agents, because for me. One, the Saints need immediate help opposite of Cam Jordan. Right now, their starting defensive end is Carl Granderson, who's like a solid rotational player. They also have Peyton Turner, who was a first-round pick a couple of years ago, but that hasn't really done anything in the NFL, has kind of been a bust-up until this point. So there's immediate need for return on Isaiah Foskey. And the great thing is you get Isaiah on the field, on the other side of Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan is a player that is going to get all the attention up front, right? Like eyes are going to go to him. So I think Foskey has the ability to get some one-on-one -on -one opportunities pretty early on in his career, potentially, at least as a rotational kind of pass rush specialist early. And mm -hmm. I absolutely love 
Isaiah Bosky being in the same room as Cameron Jordan. I love it because Cameron Jordan has, since he's come out of Cal, I, I think he's been in the league what, 10 years now, 11 years, somewhere in that ballpark. Right around there, yeah. He is one of the most technically sound pass rushers in the NFL. And that's one thing that Isaiah lacks right now is Isaiah is, I mean, it's the God-given stuff. He's 6'5 plus, 264, 34-inch arms, 4'5'8 in the 40. He's explosive. He's long. He's got all the tools. But he's not technically refined right now. He needs a pass rush fan plan. He needs better with his hands. Well, what right. better guy to work with in the NFL than Cam Jordan right now? Like, that's another guy that is going to immediately show Isaiah Foskey how to be a pro and how to work his hands, how to add moves to the arsenal. I really think that he is going to benefit a lot with being a guy like Cam Jordan. So I think it's a fit for the immediacy of getting more talent in that edge room opposite Jordan. And I also love the the fact that Cameron Jordan gets to tutor Isaiah a little bit, man, and to really develop him as a player. And I wouldn't be shocked if his career trajectory is very good at this point, being the 40th overall pick, because I think he's going to be around good people, obviously. And Dennis Allen, although I'm not sure he's a great head coach, he's a really good defensive coach. So I think that'll be great for a guy like Foskey. Yeah, I mean, honestly, what you were talking about, the technical stuff, the lack of multiple moves, it was it, it was mostly bull rush type stuff. And you read all the evaluations, that was really the biggest knock on Foskey. It wasn't athleticism or, you know, nope. physique. It was not, you know, obviously he tested well at everything. It was just a matter of you can't just be a one-move pass rush guy in the NFL. If he If he had a couple other moves that he could go to, he probably would have been like a mid-first round type guy but but i completely agree with what you're saying to be to be in new orleans with a veteran like jordan now i mean there's there's an opportunity for him to learn some of that stuff and all you got to do is learn a couple extra moves i think and and he can be a a really productive nfl defensive end for a long time i think it's the craziest thing in the world sean that we talk about it's that I mean, we're talking about a guy that is Notre Dame's all-time leading sacker, right? With 26 and a half sacks. And everyone knows that he can be better, right? Like, right. He's, he's not nearly to his ceiling. That's how talented Isaiah Foskey is. So, yeah, man, get him in a good defensive room, which I think he's in. Dennis Allen's a really good defensive coordinator, really good defensive mind as the head coach. And I really think that being with a guy like Cameron Jordan is going to be a massive help to a guy like Isaiah Foskey. So I think you said it perfectly, man. Like, there's no... He's not the bendiest guy of all time, right? Like, he doesn't have to lose his hips. But, like, there's nothing about his game where you say that guy can't be really, really good or potentially mm-hmm. special if he hits. Like, he has all the tools. It's just about that development. And I think that going into the Saints room, I, I think that he's going to be in a really good spot there, man. I, like, again, like, that's one of – honestly, that's, like, top 64 picks. So, the first two rounds, that was one of my favorite fits in the in the first two rounds. Because I'm just like, that yeah. makes so much sense, not only from the team – but also from the fact of the room that he's landing in. I, like, I just think that's going to be so beneficial for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What about Jarrett Patterson? He's the only other uh, Irish player drafted. He goes in the sixth round to Houston. You know, again, yeah. like as, as, they, as they started getting into the late rounds, selfishly, I'm thinking, okay, offensive line is an area of need for Dallas. They wanted, you know, like a swing lineman. They ended up going with a Seam Richards in the fifth round out of North Carolina instead. Yeah. But, but Patterson, you know, again, like I think that 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 Patterson is a steal where the Texans ended up getting him in the sixth round. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we that we thought that Jared Patterson could be a top hundred pick, top fifty mm-hmm. pick potentially, even right. Like he w- looked like he was going to be that guy after his redshirt freshman and redshirt sophomore years. I, I just really think that. And the reason that he fell in this draft is the durability stuff a little bit. You know, it's the medicals, the, the medical rechecks, that type of conversation. Because yeah. Jared Patterson is definitely better than the number 211 player in the class, for instance. Like, he's he's better in, in that regard. But I think that what you saw here is that there's some medical conversations. And Jared's also not a, just a player that he never got truly better his last two years. Like, he kind of plateaued a little bit. And some of it was you know, the offensive line coaching for most of his career. And then some of it is also just the fact that he was banged up at times and, you know, going into his junior. And then he also had to make the transition from center to right guard as a senior, which is like a a tough transition at times. Right. But I really think that the value of him in the six is a tremendous value. I I predicted that he was going to go in the fourth to fifth round. So he went even lower than I thought he was going to go. 
And I think that you look at the Houston Texans, they're going to say, and they literally said this after they drafted him, the ability to play multiple positions is big for a guy like a Jared Patterson because we know he's more of a center than he is a guard. But what is the beneficiary of the final year? It's that you saw some tape at guard for at Notre Dame. So now as a team, you're like, he can back up, you can back up multiple positions. Even if he never becomes a starter in the NFL, he's a guy that can come in and help us maybe start some games, but also at worst, he's a backup center guard at the next level that can, that can help fill out a depth chart. And that matters so much for those offensive linemen in day three, the guys that stick are guys that can swing, that can play multiple different positions and can back up multiple spots. And I think that's what Jared brings to the game, man. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy for him. And I think that, it's a decent spot. Houston's offensive line is getting steadily better over the last couple of years, but they still need to continue to add depth to that room. So he's got a chance to compete, I think, in Houston. Yeah. Jay Wick said Jerry doesn't trust Notre Dame after Julius Jones. And <laughs> oh, the, the appropriate answer from Tommy Guns, Zach Martin and Jalen Smith have determined that that's a lie. Yes. At least one of them he has. Was, At least one well, of them has. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jalen Smith for about a year and a half period was, you know, he, he, was very he parlayed good. that into a lot of money. He was very good yes. for that year and a half. And, but Zach Martin is, you know, obviously working on a Hall of Fame career. And that's why, right. you know, it's good. It's like, I get another Notre Dame. I, but to your point, I think that if Harry Heastan had been there a year earlier, we might be talking about a different, uh, a different result for yep. Jarrett Patterson this past weekend. I think so too. I think so too. I mean, it was just, that's the unfortunate circumstance of playing football, right? Sometimes is that there's going to be some injuries at times. There's going to be some durability stuff. And that popped up with Jared. I mean, that's just kind of where we are, but I I hope, because we've seen this also where a guy goes through a little bit of a string of injuries and then he gets into the NFL and it's not really an issue anymore, at least to a degree, because you have to remember they're going to different, better medical staff, strength and conditioning staffs. I mean, Coach Bayless is is the best in the business, in my opinion, on the college level. But, I mean, strength and conditioning coaches on the NFL level are a little bit of a different breed, at least the programs that they kind of run. So I think that he's going to be in a good spot, man. It's just about being in a good room and making sure that his body doesn't break down on him. Because I, I think that Jared can be a player in the NFL. It's just about being in the right situation, and hopefully yeah. Houston's the right situation for him. Well, and speaking of right situations, Notre Dame did have a handful of guys sign the uh... – the free agent contracts, the undrafted free agent contracts after the draft. Brandon Joseph and Chris Smith both went to Detroit. Kicker Blake Groupie down to New Orleans. Jason Adamalola to Jacksonville. Justin Adamalola to Green Bay. Josh Lug with the Bears. And Bo Bauer ends up in Seattle. And yep. let's 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 start with Jason Adamalola. You touched on him earlier, but Beefeater said Pro Football Focus had him as a fourth round pick. What happened? there that fourth sounded sounded sounds a little bit high i thought like best case he was going to be like a you know a mid fifth round type guy he ends up being undrafted so i I don't think you're necessarily shocked that he didn't get drafted are you now now uh in in our in our preview again we we talked a little bit about jason i thought jason was a borderline draftable player like if he went in the sixth or seventh round i wouldn't have been shocked i also (laughs) am not shocked that he went priority free agent just because there's He's a he's a little bit of a niche player, Sean. Like he's a 285 pound yeah. a 285 pound defensive tackle. There's Undersized only so few position. Yeah, yeah, and there's only so many teams that can use that type of player. I mean, just from a size perspective, right? I mean, I think he even showed up at 280 at his pro day. So he's played in between 275 and 285 at Notre Dame. So I'm not shocked that there's some teams that are hesitant on the size. And I, I think when you read the tea leaves, like. Forget about pro football focus and like those outlets for a second. Like media get this wrong all the time. The the tea leaves are this. It's that Jason Adam Malola, and there's a hierarchy of the all-star games for the senior all-star games for the NFL draft process. There's a senior bowl, there's the East West Shrine Bowl, then there's the NFL PA bowl out in Pasadena, and then there's you know a couple under that, like the Hula Bowl, College Gridiron Showcase, like the Tropical Bowl. There's a bunch of different bowls. But the top three are what you're really gonna sh- pay attention to. Because the re- how they pick those games is based upon who the NFL wants to see. Like, and that sh- is how the Senior Bowl gets the roster. That's like East West gets the roster. One, Jason got invited to the NFL PA Bowl. That's third in the hierarchy as far as the best All Star games. That should be a little bit of indication of like maybe the NFL is not as high as some media members are on him. One, then two, he didn't get invited to the combine, so he wasn't one of the three hundred and 
30 guys that went to the combine somewhere in that ballpark. And again, that's not the end all be all because Marte Mapu, who's a safety out of safety linebacker out of Sac state, didn't get invited to the combine. He went in the fourth round. So that's not the end all be all. But when you talk about the, when you talk about some of the tea leaves around NFL PA bowl, not, not getting a combine invite. I don't think anybody should be necessarily shocked that he went undrafted. I, I would say this though. He got a really nice priority free agent deal. So that tells me, though, that there was demand for him. He sure. was a guy that I think some teams at the end of the draft were eyeing to potentially draft. But when he went through, fell through the cracks, he still got a nice little undrafted free agent contract, which is good for him. And I also think more than anything, Sean, Jacksonville is a really good spot for a guy like a Jason Adam Malola. Because one, they do employ three techs in a traditional sense where I think he could fit in that defense. And two, they don't have a lot of depth inside on the interior. So I think Jason's in a spot where he could potentially make that football team. Like he has a chance to do it. It's just about, you know, it's about taking advantage of opportunity now, obviously. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, like, you look at him, you look at Brandon Joseph in Detroit, and, you know, Brandon yeah. Joseph obviously left a year of eligibility on the table, whereas, you know, he could be in <laughs> when you're talking about a depleted safety room for Notre Dame, and here's Brandon Joseph going undrafted. Do you think he's got a chance to stick up there in Detroit? I think it's possible because Detroit's another team where one, they you don't seem have very of... exasperated. By that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, man, Brandon has really zapped me of energy. This draft yeah, process, I know. man, I was so excited about him. And then obviously we know how it ended. And I mean, I was on this show last week and I'm just like, I'm not sure I would draft Brandon. And apparently the NFL agreed with that sentiment a little bit. Right. Cause it's just, just wasn't a great draft process. It wasn't a good loan year with, let Notre me ask, Dame, let, so, let me ask, yeah. let me ask you this. Could how much could he have improved his stock if he had returned for another year? Do you think he'd be in the same place next year? Or could he have improved it enough to be, you know, like a third or fourth round guy? I mean, there's nowhere to go go but up, right? So I mean, could he I guess that's it? true. He was, like he was an undrafted free agent. Theoretically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as he's a seventh rounder, he's potentially, you know, upped his up his draft capital. I mean, honestly, Sean, I think it's possible, like to your question. I do because I mean, we look, I know things went not great in Brand Joseph's one year at Notre Dame. He only had two good football games, in my opinion. Everything else was just kind of up and down and not very mm-hmm. good most of the part. But, I mean, we, we don't forget, though, that he was dynamic in 2020 at Northwestern. Absolutely dynamic. And he was good again in 2021. Not quite as good as 2020, but he was still good. He was still a good yeah. player. This past year just wasn't good. So, yeah, I think he could have helped himself. The problem is I'm not sure that there would have been a spot for him on Notre Dame if he chose to return. But either way, I mean, I think going back to school could have helped him a little bit because he's still a pretty young kid for his age, also being only a redshirt junior. But I really just think that he had his eyes set on the NFL. And, I mean, for unfortunately, he went undrafted. Fortunately, he is in a Detroit room that has low numbers of safeties and not really the best talent in the safety room in general. So does he have a chance to stick? It's possible. But the thing that I have questions marks about Brandon most is that he was a very inconsistent tackler and he's not the most physically put together player of all time. Right. So when you're a undrafted free agent or a late round safety, you have to play special teams. And I'm not talking about returning punts and kicks and all that type of stuff. I'm talking about you have to cover, right? You have to cover kickoffs, punts. And I'm just not sure if he's going to ever be a stalwart on special teams. So I think it's going to be tough for him to stick, but I mean, I hope for the best for him, man, because 
I still think there was good football there. It's just, it just obviously did not develop this year. Yeah. And I guess it's, I guess it depends on how much he wants a paycheck at this point, how much he really wants it, because it, it, it definitely seems like just the mindset needs to change as the biggest yeah. starting point. I, I, I said he was young for his age. He's young for his grade, his classification. Okay, folks, give me a break, man. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. <laughs> That's right. It is a Monday coming out of draft weekend. And I saw a couple people saying they're surprised to see me. Well, here I am. And uh, fun being with Ryan, talking a little NFL draft on this Monday. And again, just a reminder that coming up tonight at 6 o'clock, Ryan's going to be back with Brian because Kennedy Erlacher is announcing his commitment at about 6 o'clock tonight. So those guys will be on in my usual time slot at 6. That's why I'm bouncing here with Ryan talking some draft in the afternoon. But uh, glad uh, glad, glad we got a chance to do so. Like we said, we, this is this is like our first full-fledged show together, but it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. Sean, Sean you, don't ha- you don't have to tell me that I'm your favorite co-host, but you can if you would like, all right? <laughs> I can't hurt everybody else's feelings, Ryan. Come on. Uh, Vince can handle it, man. He's a big boy. He can handle it. <laughs> I don't know. Vince... Vince can get a little wounded, too, (laughs) for as much as he talks the big game. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.